Welcome to Home Design Chat with Nancy. Are you remodeling or building your dream home? We will chat about everything from the ceilings to the floors and everything in between. Any questions you might have can be emailed to me at nancy at nancyhugo.com. And this podcast is being brought to you by Premier Lighting. Well, today is May 27th, and we're slowly getting into the summer. Of course, in Arizona, we got into it a month ago. And with the summer and the outdoors comes beautiful backyard. So today, our guest is Kirk Bianchi. He is an outdoor designer who transforms the ordinary backyard into a living art form. Hey, Kirk, thanks for stopping by. Thanks for having me today. Uh, I love your work. First of all, I want to start out with that. And I, I think people should know that there is an art form to doing a beautiful backyard. It's not just throwing the pool where they think it should go. Agreed? Absolutely. So I want you to explain where you start. I know. Tell me what you do first exactly. Right. I've been trying to whittle that down because I really bring together architecture, but I bring together landscape. I bring together pools and lighting and all of these things like a stage. It's like an element. You're creating a setting. So all of these things are coming together. Um, I have projects where I've heard, I've helped to remodel the back of the house so that the backyard could flow better and there was a better connection from inside to outside. The ultimate is you're, you're creating a landscape and a pool and a setting where people live and enjoy being outside. And the elements are the pool, the landscape, the architecture. I read in your um, bio that you actually went to Japan when you were a senior, and that's influenced you. How has the Japanese architecture influenced you in your work? Well, definitely it's a quiet peaceful zen-like feel that I try to impart to a lot of my designs. And that's really done through simplicity and material choices. You know, the Japanese, the zen, they're really into the raw materials, the rock, the stone. Let the materials be what they are. It's okay if they're beat up a little wabi-sabi. It's, you know, boulders are worn, they're they're weathered. But um, the zen vibe, the feel that you get from that space, the most important thing you should remember is less is more it's it's like music it's quiet it's not overdone and it's a counterintuitive thing that a lot of times people want i want an amazing backyard i got to put more stuff in it and make it amazing you take things away until it's you can't take anything away and so you really pare it down to the essence of what will make this space just right and not one thing more and that's really what makes it speak quietly and beautifully so when you get with people and you look at the backyard, do they often say, I want this, 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 and this? And then at what point do you say, well, I think you've, you're thinking of putting too much into your backyard. Let's calm it down a little bit. Does That's that happen the, a lot? That is definitely part of the process. And and with hows and the online, a lot of times people will have 20, 30 different competing ideas. They're all great ideas for different houses, but we really have to focus on what's the right choices for your property. and uh, So and you're not mass-producing backyards. You're doing specifically the design for the house and the people. Exactly. It's, it's a merging of their interests, their tastes, their lifestyle with where they are. What is their site? What is their sun exposure? What is that particular lot looking like? What are their views? So you have to merge those things together and find solutions that are unique and not done anywhere else, and it's just for them at that house. Have you changed your your styles in design from, say, 10 years ago? Well, certainly in the 90s, the the big thing was 
free form with boulders, and that's what we did all day, every day, and that's, of course, that's just what you did. They also integrated uh, waterfalls with that. Do you mm-hmm. do any waterfalls now, or is that passe? I still do, uh, just very rarely. It's You know, the site really dictates can we do it in a way that's believable. The last thing we want to do is create a big pile of rocks on the end of a pool that looks like it's where'd that come from. It's out of place. You know, some lots have hillside terrain and suggest hey, there could be a stream or a water feature built into this hillside that would look appropriate. That's a really big factor that drives it. But more these days, it's people have really, they're more architecturally minded, and so they're taking the clean lines, bringing lines out from the house, taking the architectural language of the house and transposing it into the landscape. So most 90% of the work that I've been doing has been architecturally driven, and then as you get closer to the perimeter, it will dissolve and become more organic and more natural and become part of the landscape. That's part of what I've been doing. I read part of uh, your design approach, and you talk about reflections. Yes. Explain that. The most underused and most powerful part of a pool or any water feature is using it like a mirror. A lot of times people just put the pool in and it's dominating the scene, but it's not positioned well. A pool can be a mirror. Well, then it begs a mirror of what? So what's most important in a yard is, you know, I, I, my logo is this iconic Japanese maple bonsai tree that's reflected in a body of water. I really try to impart that to a lot of my designs because it's so striking and vivid and beautiful. When you have, uh, you know, a tree, for instance, that's been chosen for its sculptural characteristics and you you uplight it at night but then you put a mirror in front of it on the ground and it's reflected it's not only is it double it's inverted and so it's really it stops you in your tracks you go wow look at that that is breathtaking yeah that's that's how you can use a mirror to create some of these stunning beautiful elements but it's not just the pool it's the pool is a mirror but then it's really critical what you put around it what is the pool reflecting what's behind it so those things have to work together. I saw one of the pictures of your projects, and the the reflection was the mountains. Yes. That was beautiful. Now, not everybody has that view close enough to their house to reflect a mountain. Right. So you have to create what's going to reflect. Exactly. You know, in a composed, like in a closed yard, you might have walls that are feature walls that have illumination on them. You might put a cactus in front of that to backlight the cactus or put light in front of it, casting shadows on a wall. That wall could be an accent color or a material. And you've created a visually striking element in that diagonal corner that you're looking at from your patio, for instance. And then you position the pool as a mirror in front of that. And they work together to create a striking composition. You don't necessarily have to have a view. You create your own. Wow, I can feel your passion. I'm sitting here just, yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> There's a big difference between a Bianchi pool or and setting, a backyard setting, and somebody who's just going to throw a pool in so that the kids have something to do in the summer. Wow. Definitely. Or did you ever get anybody saying, I just want a pool, throw in some plants. <laughs> and we're going to make it beautiful as yeah. a bonus. How's that? Oh, yeah, right. Really. Does that ever happen? Usually I'm called for that very thing is, yes, I want a pool. I want a place to entertain, but let's make it beautiful while we're at it. Right. You're spending yeah, the same leave hours. ugly to the other guys, right? Exactly. <laughs> okay. That sounds good. So let's talk edges 
Um, there's so many different kinds kinds of veggies. Can you explain the differences? Definitely. Well, you know, when you think of a pool that's just traditional, you have the flooring, the coping, the edge of the pool that goes right up to the pool. Is your typical interface transitioning from deck to water is, you know, hardscape surface. Whether it, in the old days it was cool deck, if you're still doing that, you know, it's concrete. It's four inches thick. The water's down seven or eight inches. It's pretty hefty thick profile. You want to explain cool decking? Yeah, cool decking was the topping they put on concrete that, you know, it's like a pancake batter. It goes on like stucco and it... It was cooler to walk on than so concrete in little theory. kids didn't burn their feet. Right. But, you know, nowadays we're using stone and travertines and concrete pavers or poured-in-place edges and they all have a profile where the water drops down. They also don't down. hold the heat like people think they do. Right. So they're pretty cool to the touch. Yeah, different stones are are more heat absorbent than others. And so with And the, what is coping? So the coping is the edge of the pool. It can be the concrete that you're sitting on when you're right at the edge of the pool. It could be a stone. It's that profile that overhangs the water. That's typically rounded so that mm -hmm. you don't cut your legs. Yeah, rounded or square. Just as, you just don't want necessarily a sharp edge for sure. Mm -hmm. you know? And what about tile? Do they still use tile of all different kinds of colors and patterns all over the place? If you're doing a style match to the house and it's Santa Barbara or it's Spanish colonial, you'll do use a decorative tile. But in a lot of the projects I do where we're not trying to call attention to the water line, we're trying to call attention to the tree that's reflected in the water, mm -hmm. we don't want pinstriping along the edge of the bottom of the coping. So that, picking out the tile is very important. Right. Do you pick it out for the people or do you Absolutely. suggest? Yeah, I'll pick out the tile. That's once they pick the interior finish, I'll also find a tile that disappears and matches the finish. So it's a non-element. It goes away. So the tile is used, what, for cleanliness? Right. It's the, for the edge? easier to clean because it's a surface you can clean and polish. And Well, then what is the surface of the rest of the pool? Is it gunite? Yeah, the gunite or shotcrete, as we have in Phoenix, is predominantly used as the concrete shell of the pool that's shot in with a hose. And then you finish that with a plaster finish, which is a catch-all term for anything you trowel on for the inside. It, there's pebble techs and pebble sheens, which have been around for 20, 30 years, that have the pebbly aggregate finish. Mm -hmm. One is smoother than the other. And then there's some uh, hydrazo is a polished surface. And uh, Wet Edge is a company that makes an interior finish that's a lot like terrazzo, where you grind it down. There's stone and glass, and you polish it so smooth. It's like the terrazzo floor at the airport. It's really beautiful. Mm, I would think that's more money. Of course. The labor to grind it down is especially what they're going for. But it's not a lot, though. It's not a deal breaker. It's beautiful. Uh, is it like uh, the difference between a Ford and a Mercedes? Not as much. No, it, well, that's yeah, good. That's a deal. Yeah, no, there's those higher-end finishes. There's very slight difference in price. So that gives you a lot of options. So I know people ask for reflecting pools. Do they ask for um, swimming pool, just swimming, wading, um, diving? What's mm -hmm. in, what's out? Definitely um, the predominant request is, hey, the pool wants to be beautiful. It's an environment. It's a background. And, yes, I want to swim in it, but I'm not doing laps or anything. It's a lounging. And just... It's to have their to, friends come over so they yeah. have some place to sit when they drink? Yeah, place to, oh. <laughs> a place to drink, a place okay. to read a book, watch the kids, uh, do a few laps. Make the house look beautiful so that uh, yeah. their friends can see it. Yeah, I'm, do, I'm doing a lap pool right now for a swimmer. And so we shape the pool in a way that he could do flip turns on the end. 
And for him, that was important, so we're doing that. And occasionally we'll get the diving pool request, but typically we'll fulfill that without a diving board. Well, well how it, deep does it have to be? You know, six, seven or eight feet is good. Uh, without it, does a, it depend on how tall they are? More, it's more about the just the trajectory. Like with a diving board, it'll throw you a good way, so you need to have it deep enough mm-hmm. so that your the floor clears. But if you don't have a springboard, you don't need to be as deep as you would with a diving pool. But, you know, we still want to be safe, so we'll do seven or eight feet deep on a, a diving rock or a platform that you can jump from. And that way you can have the an action, a high-action pool without having to have this diving board at the end of your beautiful setting. It's kind of an obstruction. We don't Has anybody ever asked you to put the bar in the pool? I saw that once. <laughs> yes. It, it must get old. That is a request, you know, the idea of a swim-up bar. But it's contrived if your yard is flat. You have to dig a pit on the outside to surf in, and it looks weird. So if you have a hillside lot where the grade is sloping away and we can work it in, then, yeah, it can make sense. Have you done those? Yes, I have. And so like two years down the road, are people still using them as the bar? I mean, it must get old. If they entertain, they can be really enjoyable. You know, and if they end up not entertaining a lot and it's just them, then, you know, not so much. But if they're really entertaining and having guests and it's a place where you're barbecuing and that's how you live, it can be a lot of fun. I think that's a cute idea. Well, we are going to talk about lighting in the pool. Because Premier Lighting would love if I talked about that. And, um, well, let's let's ask you about the lights in the pool. Are they LEDs? They are. They are so LEDs. by doing that, mm-hmm. they don't have to be changed out. Correct. They should last. And do they come in different uh, Kelvins? Yeah, colors is the dominant uh, factor right now that you can change the color and the settings. And the pool industry is coming along. It's really landscape lights that have the temperature more so than the interior of the pool. The pool industry is catching up. Uh, there's some LED strip lights that are becoming available right now where you can, you know, hide a projected light strip, you know, just underneath the coping, shining Anywhere. away. Yes. Really? Those are real handy. Well, if anybody's interested in finding out more about lighting for either the outside or the inside of your home, I suggest you go to shoppremier.com. Their phone number is right on their website. They're located in Scottsdale. They have wonderful people who are lighting consultants, and they will come to your house and help you figure out where to put lights for mood changing or for practicality, functionality. So don't forget, shoppremier.com. And now back to the expert on backyard looks. There we are. Yeah. What is your favorite uh, project that you did? Gosh, there's so many. I'm, I'm really excited about one I'm getting ready to break on, ground on right now. That is a Frank Lloyd Wright style of home, a prairie style home. And... But it was implemented kind of in a weak kind of way, so I've really enjoyed the architectural piece of what I'm doing there to help bring the house to its full character. You know, they call me for their backyard, their pool, and their landscape. But in order to make that happen and be a finished product, we're we're tearing down balconies on the well, house. I would think the flow is really important. <laughs> Otherwise, it's a culture shock. You're doing one thing on the backyard, and as you turn around and look at the house, it's not meshing with the design. So Exactly. Yes. Luckily, you have clients that are willing to just say, oh, yeah, we started out with a pool, but now we're redoing the whole project. Right. It's the interface between the indoors and the out exactly. that people are really after. And, you know, I, I, they call me for the pool, but the finished product is this environment that they're seeking, and it's it has to flow from inside to out. So because I have that architectural mind and background, 
I see that bigger picture. So I'm able to help with all of that and not just, oh, here's your pool, good luck with the rest. No, it, that wouldn't give them the complete finished product that they're after. You definitely become a name on their Christmas card list. I'm sure you become part of the family. How long does an, I don't want to say average, because people ask me all the time, how long does the average kitchen take? Well, it depends on the scope of the project. Right. So I'm going to ask you that. How long does the average design take using a pool Mm -hmm. as um, probably the main source of uh, focus? And maybe they have uh, an acre yard. How long is that going to take? That could take six to nine months or a year. That means they better start early. Right. Well, planning is several months. You know, three months for design and going back and forth with conversations. You know, a month to put figures together and weigh in the options. Maybe a month to get on the schedule with contractors. So there's maybe six months of planning that you should allow for before you break ground. And do you ever include uh, designing an outdoor kitchen as part of the backyard? Absolutely. I just did a podcast with Tony Couch about three weeks ago on outdoor kitchens. And that's another whole thing to uh, incorporate into a backyard. So it becomes a living space out there, not just a yard. Absolutely. And the opportunity for seating and, you know, some people enjoy watching a game. So where do you put the television? Or maybe you're a book reading family. So where do you where do you create the uh, outdoor comfortable spaces where you're in the shade where you can just lounge and have a day bed or something like that. They're all working together for those outdoor. Well, you've got, um, I don't want to say task areas, but you have different areas just mm-hmm. like you have in your house. Exactly. Must be interesting. Oh, it's a blast. Do you use grass in the backyard? And Because, again, we're in Arizona, and um, water is at a premium. Right. One of the things that I do recommend, they have come so far with the artificial grasses. Right. There's a few brands and flavors within these lines that are absolutely convincing. They've even got the brown woven threads in them to, to show you, uh, here's some dead grass woven into the Oh, room. you can even sprinkle bugs, I guess. You can uh, crush some leaves and spread it, spread it across. Well, no mowing, so most people would like that. But initially, I guess at the end, it's worth it because you don't have to water. You're saving money on that. But initially, it must be a little more expensive than throwing sod in there. It, it is. Uh, a four- or five-year payback is, is what I've been told, depending on the size of the yard. And the, you know, the effect is it's a finished surface. I've done a lot of edges now where the grass comes right up to the water. We were talking about edges earlier and and dissolving that traditional edge is really neat. The grass comes up to the water? Bringing the grass right up to the water. If it's a deck level vanishing edge pool, you can create shelves that are hidden underneath where the grass comes right up to the water. There's a gap of a half inch and the water's in the same plane as the lawn. It's a magical effect. You've blurred the line between what is normally the edge of my pool. And now it's just a panel of turf and a panel of water, and they merge together. It's really neat. So things have come a long way. Wow. Definitely. Okay. So um, tell me more about your designs, your uniqueness. What makes you so different from everybody else? My process and approach is very much like photography and art composition, so when I'm inside your house looking out, I, it's like setting up a tripod and you're looking out a window. That window is a canvas. What am I seeing at that moment? So I'm projecting lines from the house outward into space, and that's going to control my layout. And we move around and we go to the kitchen and we look out from those windows. 
And then you're out in the backyard and you're looking from all these places. You have to carry the lines of the architecture out into the space, and these become a subliminal undergirding framework that you work within. So I was going to say, continuing the look of the inside of the house outside. So in other words, if their inside was a contemporary or if it was, um, oh, I guess, um, arts and crafts, mm-hmm. you want to carry that into the outside. Absolutely. With the way you address the edge of the pool, the shapes, they should echo the shapes of the house and the lines that are projecting outward from the house. You know, an edge of a raised wall might want to line up with a projection on the architecture and so that you see that shape echoed further out in the landscape. If there's a motif of three windows, you know, on the house, this little detail, you might borrow that into the language of a element on a raised wall and those are spillways. So you get this tie back and this connection. But the main thing is the view corridors and the alignment. So if you're looking down a long hallway, for instance, out a window, what's the focus at the end that grabs your attention, the focal point? So at the end of a view corridor, I'll say, all right, that's an opportunity. We've got to put a beautiful specimen tree or cactus, something here that catches your eye and leads you out. And you, you build the yard around these focal points that there's three or four in the yard typically at any given time from the views you look at. Those are the lead singers in the band. Those are, those are the most prioritized spaces that you celebrate. All right, you've got a beautiful tree here, a cactus there. You build your composition around those elements, and everything else supports that. Um, and sometimes you've got to bring in the tree first. If that's the beautiful thing in the yard, that tree can't be placed later. Mm-hmm. You've got to plan. No, we've got to put that tree in before we even dig the pool because we won't have the space to maneuver. So it's sometimes backwards to get this finished project. You tend to put the landscape in last. No, not this one. How do you add color to the uh, creation? A lot of times, you know, uh, color can be through, you know, Venetian plasters are beautiful. Uh, uh, different paints um, from Sydney Harbor paints has porter, porter paints. It's a lime wash paint. They're really vivid. They're like a watercolor. They're not just opaque. Um, and so they have a lot of movement. Those are fun. Uh, tile, of course, can be really fun. Furniture with cushions. F- fabrics. Pick your fabrics and your paint colors at the same time, mm-hmm. and they tie back to each other and correlate to people's art inside the house. Do they have really subdued art, or do they have really vivid art hanging on their walls? Is there do you confer inside? with your client every step of the way so that last thing you want to do is say, okay, we're done, and they go, yeah, but that's not really what I wanted. Does that ever happen? No. I hope not. No. We've had we've had those conversations way back in the beginning. Doing the design and building a 3D model and walking them through it, picking colors and finishes. Yeah, they can really see it in advance. Okay. Well, I think um, people out there listening to this want to talk to you. I mean, if they're interested in doing a wow backyard, you can't just go to some pool place and say, yeah, throw it in and I'll get my landscaper to plant some petunias around. So you're the guy. Um, but do you ever do work outside of Arizona? I have. Where? My most favorite project that's very secret was in Cleveland, Chagrin Falls area. <laughs> really? Yes, in Ohio. Was and it a, for a relative? No, it was not. Oh. No. I, I had the great chance to be, uh, I was published on a cover of a magazine and she picked it up at Home Depot and called me, and it was for a magnificent, huge house in the area, and that Great. was a good time. But I so you worked will out of travel. State, worked out of state, California, Texas, Arkansas. 
Good. So the people listening to this, don't hesitate because he does great work. Matter of fact, you've been published in Phoenix Home and Garden. Yes. And Lux, maybe? Mm-hmm. Okay, where haven't you been published? Those are the primary sources locally. Oh, well, good to know. Water so, Shapes Magazine. So you're famous. Okay, so if you weren't doing this, if you weren't creating gorgeous landscape designs, what would you be doing, Kirk? Photography and film. Those okay. are those are passions that I've enjoyed even before architecture as a kid. What is your favorite subject to uh, photograph? Architecture and gardens, of course. Of course, you're going around <laughs> in circles here. I know. I know. I've asked this question myself. You know, this is something I've been doing for 28 years now, and I've asked, what else would I do? I don't know. There's so many fascinating things that are involved with what I do. My favorite day is the photo shoot sometimes on a project, and my buddy Mike Woodall, he's an amazing photographer. We're out there setting up the lighting, and I love the photography day. Do you have a gorgeous backyard in your house? No. And everybody used to ask me, your kitchen must be great. And it's a kitchen. Yeah. I'm doing other stuff for other people. Yeah. Right now we're just in transition to get the next home, but looking for, I'll do something simple and beautiful when I get to that place. Yeah. And probably instead of a pool, you'll have some sort of a football field in your backyard for your son, right? That's right. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, I had fun learning about this. I really enjoyed it. You you. are a master and, uh, and I can feel your passion definitely in what you do. So thank you so much for stopping by. My pleasure. Thanks for having me here today. Oh, anytime. Hey, if you guys out there listen to these podcasts, please tell your friends about them. There's so much that we talk about that are it's advantageous if you have a house to listen and get these hints and get to know what we talk about. So you can email me at nancy at nancyhugo.com if you have any questions. Otherwise, download that app, put it on your phone, and listen to these podcasts. So... I think everybody should listen to these podcasts, but hey, who am I? (laughs) So anyway, great again to uh, talk to you, and I hope everybody enjoys this podcast and every other, and have a great day.